All Things Unexplained, hosted by Dr. Mounts. Let's face it, we were always ready to roll without him anyway. <laughs> CJ Derringer. Ain't nobody perfect, right? And Smitty Neves. I've never planned out hardly anything my whole life. I just free ball. Featuring Cajun Man. I'm just old nobody, somebody looking for somebody. Previously on All Things Unexplained. So I walk so I walk into the bed, into the bedroom, and I lay down on my side, which is on the right hand side. And um, I found some pictures online and created uh, my book cover is a picture of me at the time. And it looked, I just created, if you look at the image or the see how it looked, like the way I saw myself, how I felt in that moment. So I laid on the right side of the bed and I laid down perfectly straight and still with my hands down by my side, feet straight ahead. And I felt like I didn't have a lot of stay in this, but this felt very like uh, rote, like I had to just do it. It was just something com- compelled me very strongly. And so I lay down and I closed my eyes and I said, I don't want to do this to myself and, and my head. I said, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Like, <laughs> Just block it, just stop whatever's going to happen. I don't want this. And that's when I saw we're speaking with special guest Oracle Oriah Mirza who is here telling us about all of her myriad experiences and it's an honor having her on the show so now you're back from Paris you don't know what to make of what happened to you. Your husband's kind of forgotten it, and this alien tells you you're gonna lie down in bed at 7 p.m. or yes. 7:30, and um, and yes. you are fighting it, and then instantly kind of compelled to do so. And you head to the bed and tell us what happens next. That's when I saw my eyes opened again like that. In front of me, this giant head. It was floating in the air. And it was like about 10 feet long and about six feet across. And it was the head of a gray or an alien with the big, you know, almond shaped black eyes, the little nose, little mouth, typical, you know, alien, kind of the ones we all feel like we know. And it had a thousand tiny little cracks all over the face. And I kept staring at the cracks because I've never seen anything like it. I can't describe to you. I've tried. I want to draw it. I've looked for pictures of it. I've tried to find artists who can do it. I cannot describe what this looked like. It was just imagine this is like, this alien is so old. Like the white medicine man of aliens. I mean, that's the feeling I got. It was just this very, very grand feeling about him. So it was a feeling of He was looking at me like I was a bug, like this little insect, but with love. I mean, I didn't feel any danger. I just felt him looking at me like, okay, now we are going to do what we came here to do. And it it was a strange feeling that came over me because first of all, it's an unusual thing to look at. Your mind is not really prepared to see that. So you go into kind of an altered state at that point uh, because you don't really know how to reference anything you're seeing. 
And so I, I felt his energy was just like, it's not about me. I kept feeling like this is not about Araya. This is not about me, the person. Like some something is gonna happen to me. Like it wasn't personal. Like I felt like this was just a routine um, surgery that has been performed, I guess, for certain people or different people. From my research, it sounds like everybody who's had a surgery has different types of surgeries for different reasons. And in my case, they knew down the road, I would be probably speaking about it. So my surgery was related to that. Um, okay, so then I saw the face, then the face disappears and I start to panic. And I felt my adrenals, I felt my my veins in my neck starting to pop. I was like, okay, this is, this is not good. Um, I want out, but I couldn't get out and I couldn't move my body again. It was that paralyzed feeling. So I just knew I had to go with it. So then off in the distance, this all happened really fluidly, right? One thing after another. So I saw this alien standing. It looked like a very tall alien, about 10 feet tall. And there was a short man or a man that looked short next to him. So the man would probably be about six foot something. So, but that's how tall the alien was. The arms were very long and spindly. The legs were very long and had this long neck and this big head. And he was kind of looking down. He was holding a medical tray and he had like a medical bowl. And the man was looking into that bowl. In that moment, I took notice that what I was looking at off to the right was an entire, it wasn't a room because there was no walls or ceilings or seams, but it was this glowing white illuminated massive space that was not my room. And then if I moved my eyes to the left, my bed, my dresser, my walls, everything was physically still there. My body was laying here. So I'm still in my body and I'm watching this. Now what I've encountered and what I've seen and read of other people have experienced this, this is a multi-dimensional experience. So they are, you are in two dimensions at once. And believe it or not, when I'm done with this story, but I wanna say it now, you are gonna be shocked to hear there are more people that have these kinds of abduction surgery stories than the ones where they get zoomed up in a UFO ship. Oh wow. So the one I, and I they don't that, and they don't know how to talk about it. And they don't want to talk about it because guess what? You sound really, really, really crazy. So there's <laughs> no way you could tell this story. So you know how many people are out there that don't talk about what's happened to them because of that? So that's why oh, yeah. I waited so long because I needed to know what I'm about to say means something powerful for myself and for the world. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. There's no sense in me speaking if it's not going to be impactful. So that's why I waited so long and tested and tested and tested and really checked every millisecond of this experience and what it happened after afterwards. Okay, so then any questions before I go on? Yes, I have one. You said there's a man yes. there, like a human, another human is there with yes. you? Oh, this man looked like he didn't know what he was, why he was there. So he had this very, very scared, bewildered look on his face. God knows how or where that took place. It could be in that man's house or it could be they have him on a ship. I don't know exactly how he ended up there, but he was dressed normal. He had casual like leisure clothes on, like long shorts. He just looked like a normal guy. 
And so they were looking into this bowl. And the second I saw that, at first I said, what's that? Why am I looking at that? And the second I said that, I went, oh no, this is something about me, isn't it? Something in that bowl pertains to me. I don't want anything to do with this. So I want out right now. Like, and I was trying to find a back door to my soul to get out of this situation. I'm like, I don't want anything to do with this. I don't need to see what's in that bowl. I don't want to know what's in that bowl. And so as soon as I said that, I mean, they probably figured they didn't have much time with me because I was going to just burst into flames or something. I'm just going to fight this whole experience. So they had to move fast. So within seconds, now I'm zoomed in. The alien is right in front of me. The tray is underneath me, like right here. And the guy is standing there and he looks at me and he has, well, actually, let me tell you what's in the bowl first. So in the bowl is this amber gelatin. It's like this gelatinous kind of jelly look. It's actually kind of beautiful looking. It has um, like little tiny specks inside. They look like little tiny pin lights. They were very, it was like alive. It looked very, I don't know, like I later find out it was very intelligent. So it's an intelligent life form itself. This is a biological um, um, entity that actually works medical surgeries. But I didn't know all that at the time, but that's what it looked like. And in it was an eye and the eye was a human eye and the eyeball was moving around like this. When I saw that, I immediately like started to suffocate. Like I felt like I'm next, I'm next, get me out of here. And the guy turns and looks at me and there was a gaping hole right here, a black hole where his eye was. And then I got really scared because I'm not that person that goes and watches horror films or scary sci-fi movies. I'm not into gore. I'm actually into cute things and fur and babies <laughs> and, and animals. And like, I am not into gory things like that. So to show me something like that is so outside my wheelhouse. And it's not something I want to see. So I'm definitely not making that up in my imagination for those that are wondering. Um, it's not something I'm going to try to under, like conjure up. So I'm looking at the eye and what I immediately got the download tele telepathically was that they wanted to show me that the eye is fine, the eye is alive, and there's no damage or harm done to the eye and the eye will be put back into the man's face like nothing happened. And they're trying to show me that that's what's about to happen to me in a different form. I'm going to be with this gel and this is how the gel works and I want you to know like you're going to live. Basically, that was the download. It was an instant fast download. And before I even had a chance to have an opinion about it or to get out of it, I immediately was swept into, and I'm still laying in the bed, but somehow the part of me that's either in the, still in my body or a half outside of my body, whether it's my astral projection self, my non-physical self, or maybe it was my physical self, you know, with, with uh, aliens, extraterrestrials you know they work with everything they'll do virtual reality experiences for you like they'll there's no there's no technology that is off limits to them so i don't i is there a question no okay i don't know exactly how they did it but there was a vat a giant like it was about i would say six feet seven foot tall vat it was a giant giant vat six feet across seven feet down like a barrel and it was full of this material and i saw it and it was so much of it i immediately knew that this was not good and this was for me and i 
I knew that I had to leave my body. I had to like, I, I felt death was imminent. Like this was just, I, I wasn't going to make it through this. And at that time, my husband walks in the room and, and all I wanted to do was jump up. All I wanted to do was get up off the bed and leave. And I couldn't, of course, I couldn't move my body again. I was paralyzed, but I felt him come in and lay down and I felt his energy and I felt how he was very robotic. And it was almost like they had brought him in and laid him down. And so I said to him, help me, help me, help me. Like I was trying to talk and he said, uh, they are benevolent. They are here to help you. This is an upgrade. It's okay. He said a version of that like three times in this very monotone, calm voice, which made me very skeptical and really more scared than ever because now I felt like they took him over. So now I'm really doomed because now I can't, my husband can't even save me. So they start putting my head head first into the vat. And as my head was going into the vat, I started to feel it go up into my nostrils. The second it hit my skin, which is interesting because I could feel it. It was wet and I felt it was a little bit cooler than room temperature. And it felt that consistency. It's a little bit softer than jello. It was more like um, pudding almost, but without the hard parts. So it started to go up into my nose. The second it went into my nose, I absolutely freaked out. I was like, there's no way. I can't believe I feel this. I don't want to feel this. I'm not doing this. And I start to try to pull away and like scream. I couldn't scream. My head goes into the vat. I feel it going into my eyes, into my nose, into my ears. And by the time it went to the back of my throat, I started choking and gurgling because I felt it going down and I couldn't get, take a breath. I couldn't breathe. So in that moment was the single most fearful moment of the entire experience. Because in that moment, I felt like for sure, this is death right here. This is where I die. This is the, this is the exit because I can't breathe. I could feel it. It's happening to me right now. I feel it in my physical body and I can't breathe. So I, I heard myself making gurgling noises. My eyes rolled to the back of my head and I started convulsing and I started flopping like a fish like this on the bed and the whole bed was bouncing up and down and half of my body fell, was falling off the bed in convulsions because my bot, my mind thought it was dying. It's the best way I could explain it. It's like a drowning victim or, you know, you just, my body was reacting. And so I thought I was dying. This was my last breath. I was fighting for my breath. And then this feeling came over me, like just surrender. You're going to be fine. You can breathe in this. Just, you know, there was no words, but there was the feeling it, like just breathe, just relax. And then blackout. Then come to, I'm laying on the bed straight again. I don't know how much time had passed. It felt like it was right away. And somehow there was a way that they were able to show me because, you know, it's not the same dimensional way we see our Northeast, West and South, like the way our rooms are constructed. That's not the way they were showing me anything. So there was no, there was no measurement system. I can not see like a table and then a tray and then like a, a wall. So I don't know what direction I'm in. So I felt like I saw the wise one, the wise alien standing behind my head. And then there was a couple smaller ones next to him. And then this is where it gets really, really weird.
Hey, Unexplained Ones, this is Dutch Mouse. We would love for you to follow us and give us a five-star review. Check us out at allthings-unexplained.com. There you will find links to our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Buy Me a Coffee, and Patreon. This podcast is made possible with support from listeners like you. We are also brought to you by Coma Toast Tacos, home of Squatching.com, where you'll find my Bigfoot-themed children's books. We appreciate you. And now more alien abduction, alien surgery with Oracle Orion. lots of questions but I'm going to stick with one do you recall tasting or smelling anything when you were lowered into that vat did it have anything that you could relate it to it was only I didn't smell anything I could all and I didn't taste only could feel the coolness of the sensation and the wetness that's all I could experience it's starting to go into deep shock so it was fight or flight at that moment. I, I was checking out super fast and I was gonna leave my body. Like, this is it. I'm not sticking around for this. It makes like sense. an animal who got caged and is about to get killed. Right. We're speaking okay. to Oracle Oriya Mirza, who is telling us her personal story of alien abduction. Oriya, we did have another listener question. I think is a great question before you move on. Oh, I on. think we need to hear the rest of her story and then get to okay, the questions. Okay, we'll, we'll circle yes. back. We'll circle <laughs> Sorry. Back. Yeah, I think we need to hear the rest and then we'll go to the questions from there. Okay, so everybody hang on to your hats for this part. This is the reason why I didn't want to tell the story because this is where we're going to go total sci-fi. And this is where you're not going to want to believe anything I'm going to say. So I apologize in advance. No, I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. So, so I felt this all happened in one quick sweeping motion. This was a very fast situation. So I felt towards the base of my skull, I felt something kind of like a sensation, but it was not, there was no pain. It was kind of like almost a little bit of a wetness, but there was no like extreme feelings there. It was just very minor, but I felt something in the back of my head. And I felt something being pulled out. And then I looked up and I saw in replacement, which by the way, that was my spine. So just hang on with me, okay? So it was my spine. And then they put in this long blue tube that looked like a Tron, glowing light, biomechanical, like like upgraded, like alien spine. They put it into, they replaced it, put it right back in. And in that moment, everything went white and I was out. And I woke up at three o'clock in the afternoon, 3.30 the next day. So that was it. Now I'm going to tell you what happened after that, because that's where you're going to find out what happened with that spine and me and why I know this is a different type of situation that can happen to a human being and I'm here to tell the story. So I walk into the room and I was totally disoriented, completely dehydrated, mouth was dry, eyes were dry, hadn't touched a drop of water. My husband's sitting on the couch, he's fully dressed. 
I realized it must be later in the day. I was kind of panicked. And he looked at me and he's like, oh, you're up. And he's just getting to know me, I, I know, but I don't sleep till three in the afternoon. So I'm up at like 7.30, 6.30 to 7.30 a.m. every day. I have kids, you know, like I don't sleep in like that. So he thought something was wrong with me. He wasn't sure. And he goes, we got to get out of here. Let's just leave. Let's just go for a walk. And we live by the beach. So he wanted to just go get a coffee and maybe an ice cream and walk back. Simple, normal activity. I did, wasn't really talking that much. He takes me by the hand again. And now this is becoming a thing. And he walks me down. I'm very quiet and I'm walking really funny. Like I'm walking like one foot in front of the other like this. We are walking, everything was in Technicolor. Everything was crisp and clear. Everything was bright. My hearing was so articulate. Everything, I felt like I was 10 feet tall. I felt, I didn't know what I was walking on. I didn't know I was a person. I didn't know if I was a human. I didn't know what I was. I, I recognized Riz, I knew he was my partner and that's all I knew at that time. So he takes me, we go to the ice cream store we're looking at all the ice cream and he orders his ice cream and asks me to order. So I just stare at the case and I'm just looking at how all the colors look. I'm just looking at the colors and I'm just don't know what I'm supposed to do. Am I, I don't know what he's expecting me to do. I just am looking, I guess that's what we're doing. We're just looking at this thing and I'm looking at what's inside those circles. And he goes, aren't you going to order? order your ice cream. What, what flavor do you want? And I just looked at him like this, like, what are you talking about? Flavor? What's a flavor? <laughs> what do you mean flavor? And that's when he goes, okay, um, you know what? And I didn't say anything to him. I was quiet, but I just looked at him. And so he, he paid the lady, he turns around and walks me right back out. And he says, we're going back home. He says, you're not ready to be out yet talk the whole way my eyes were huge huge staring at everything it wasn't i seen everything for the first time it was just that it was so much data i was seeing so it was like i was just absorbing data so we go inside and i stayed in our house for two weeks i did not leave i couldn't see my kids i couldn't talk to anyone so we um, I spent most of my time on the floor in the shower until the water would get cold. And then even then, or in the pool at the apartment complex, I would just be in water constantly. I had to be in water. I had to because that was the only way for me to calm my nervous system down and to calm my being. My heart wasn't palpitating. There was nothing wrong with me. I had no prior medical conditions. There was no concussion, no aneurysm no blood capillaries in the eyes. There was no history of mental illness for myself, my family, nobody's been diagnosed. I'm not on any pharmaceuticals of any kind, never was. I was just a normal Southern California mom with five kids doing my thing. I actually had no idea that any of this could happen to a human. So I'm in the shower. I'm not thinking there's a psychotic disorder happening. That's not what's going through my mind. What's going through my mind is I'm in awe of what I'm experiencing. I'm in awe of the water hitting me. I'm in awe of the conversations I have with my husband or my boyfriend at the time, or like any food I eat. Everything was like, I was in awe. I was just in awe. 
So like if I ate like, let's say this compact, let's say it's like, I don't know, bread. I would take it like this and I would go like this. And I'd eat it like that, like, whoa. Like it was like that kind of experience. And that went on for two weeks. In, t in the middle of this, I start to get a sense that maybe this shouldn't have been happening to me. Like maybe there's a different way I should have be acting right now. I don't know where that sense came from. It could be that there was a part of my psyche that stayed intact with my actual human body that I recalled that maybe this is not how humans act or maybe this is not how Araya acts. So that's when I started asking questions about who I was. So I didn't have amnesia. I actually knew I had children. I just didn't know anything about them. I knew I had five. I just didn't know that much. I had some current data points on each one. So I knew who they were in relationship to me. I knew how I felt about them. I knew how I felt about my, my, I had my mother figure and how I felt about her and my husband and how I felt about him, my boyfriend. And that was it. It was just very basic and simple. So. I never had a chance to get panic struck because there was nothing to get panicked about because I didn't know anything was wrong. There was nothing that told me anything except the way people were acting around me. So when my husband, he kept trying to get normal, but I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what he was doing. He just, he just, he just was very, I could tell now looking back, he just was very frustrated because he didn't know what happened to me. So. I wasn't acting myself. I didn't talk like myself. My cadence was different. So to give you a little background on how I used to speak, I was born and raised in East LA, went to Montebello High School, and then I transferred over to San Bernardino High School, which is inner city. So it's like in New York, the Bronx. So San, San, San Bernardino is like that in LA, for those of you who don't. It's very high violent rate, you know, you would know from California, <laughs> you know? so. East LA, San Bernardino, it's like, yeah. you know, yeah. it's rough. So I grew up kind of in the inner city and I had a dialect, the way I spoke with somebody who would come from the, that area. And Riz used to always make jokes about that when he met me because he's never met anybody who talked like me. So it's just the inner city way of talking. That was completely gone. <laughs> I was talking just normal English, flat. My sense of humor was completely gone. So I didn't know what was funny. I didn't know what made Araya laugh. I didn't know what jokes or little moments you have between people. I didn't know, I didn't have access to any of that. I only just knew I was in this experience. I was in an experience, that's all I knew. So from that moment, I realized after talking to my husband, I my boyfriend at the time, um, I should, get in, in touch with and contact my kids because if I don't, it's, you know, it's getting too late, it's two weeks now, you know, they're worried about you, you have to go get them. So I was, that's the first time I remember feeling actual nervousness because I started to really fully understand that I was not the mother they knew. I was really getting that fast in like, torrents of information coming in as I was getting ready to, to go get them. He offered to drive me. I said, no, I want to do this myself. I, it was my first outing. I get in my car, my SUV, because I have five, drive out, go pick them up. And I had a plan. I said, if I just put the music on 
and I go take them to a hamburger place. We'll just eat and that'll keep them busy, occupied. I can get my bearings, you know? So that's what I did. And of course, my third born child is a uh, empath, natural psychic, very intuitive. And she said to me, within five minutes of sitting in the backseat of the car, this little girl says, mommy, why are you acting like it? From then on out, it was a mad, mad dash for me to get as much downloads and information about my relationship with each and every one of my children because the mother-child relationship is so deep and I couldn't, I did not have the information. And I had to fight for that. And it took me, I think, where I got fully connected to my kids. When I say connected, I mean like they felt comfortable with me, it took about three years. They did not know who I was. Well, they didn't recognize me. Oh they were like, goodness. why are you acting so weird? Why are you so different? Where's my mommy? When's my mommy coming back? Why are you acting like that? Now, some of them were younger and some were older. Mm. My oldest, who I've, she was in high school at the time, and I talked to her recently about this, and she's 28 now. And she said, um, I was so wrapped up in my own drama. Honestly, the last thing I was doing is thinking about you and your like alien stuff, which is so typical of something she would say. Um, <laughs> and then, my younger children from her under were the ones that were more aware of it. So the older two were moving, they were already on into their sophomore or their um, senior and high school years and, and graduating high school. So they were just like not really present fully for what was happening. They were in their own world, in their own traumas of life and divorce and everything. But the younger ones really noticed and it really helped me become more present because I had to get very quiet and still and I had to learn and listen constantly from my kids. I constantly had to pick up cues and listen and listen intently to what how they spoke to me and the connection they had with me so that I can try to connect the dots and reconnect my memories and who I was prior. I have never gone back to that person I was before the surgery. You see here today is the other person. So it's either an upgrade, it's uh, and I'm still me and I've accessed all my memories at this point or it's a clone. Many people have thought I'm a clone. Um, at this point, you know, my husband saw, Riz saw the giant difference in me. He saw the big, very dramatic change in me and I never talked the same way again. My interests have only been in humanitarian causes, people through any kind of addiction and trauma. I became a on radio and help people a lot, have people come to my home, I have personal sessions. I do a lot of work in helping people to reprogram themselves and help them to um, upgrade their own belief system. But in that time, what I didn't talk about with anyone is in the background, I was constantly in connection with aliens, guides, getting downloads, predictions. I wrote it all down in a 400 page manuscript that I've rewritten like seven times because I keep getting more information. And I've predicted so many things, but I don't want to put myself out there as somebody who does predictions. But I have predicted so many things happening in the world, so many things I know about. If I listen to Emery Smith talk, I can't even believe what I'm hearing because it's like I know almost everything he's talking about. I've written it before in my book. Um, he's the only one I really feel the closest to. Uh, Corey Good, a little bit, but he goes off on some tangents that I, I don't have that relationship with. And uh, David will 
me it's just somebody who just is regurgitating information so that is in a nutshell the short version of what happened to me so that's how I ended up here that's how I'm talking to you now because the person that's speaking is somebody who wants to communicate to the world the person I was prior was very private and I didn't really talk to people about anything in my private life I didn't share that much information I was to myself more isolated only child so I wasn't really like an extrovert so for me to be here having this conversation with you this is this new the new framework is who's here to be continued